so we're going to finish up 2 Corinthians 5. Hopefully, you're taking some time in this chapter. Um, this, when, whenever I read 2 Corinthians 5, I think, you know, like we were talking about last week, this is like Paul, you know, he takes the great commission of Jesus. When Jesus tells us in Matthew 28, if you want a reference to that, look at the end of Matthew 28 and Jesus says, man, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and I'll be with you till the very end of the age. There's so much. There's so much there. But it's very concise as well. I mean, there isn't a whole lot of practicality to that other than, hey, go, right? I'm telling my people to do, like, just go and do this. And then Paul does this really awesome thing, and he does this pretty often, actually, is he takes Jesus' teaching and, and he puts it under a microscope and he says, let me, let me show you all the beauty inside of that. Let me show you the good news. If you're having a hard time finding good news in it, and I, I think probably most Christians read the Great Commission and go, dude, what's the good news in it? You know, but it was good news when it came to us though, right? Wasn't that good news? It's going to be good news when it comes to your children. That's good news, right? It tends to not be such good news when it's like, oh, you mean I got to bring the good news to somebody? I don't like that so much. That makes me uncomfortable. I don't know where the good news is in that, okay? And Paul puts the, the Great Commission under the microscope here, um, and he tells us, and we went all the way up through verse 15 last week. Right? And, and right here, verse 16 through 21 uh, might be some of, like right up there, if you're going to have like top 10 passages in the New Testament, that are just deeply powerful, okay? It's like, it's like these are the ones you want to just go through it and just like tease it apart and marinate on it and think about it because it's so easy. That It's so amazing that if you go through it too quickly, you miss the beauty, right? Have you ever done that before? I mean, we've, um, Abby kind of jokes around with me because we were taking a road trip one time and we, we drove and I was super tired. Like I was having a hard time like staying awake and I'm like please Abby could you drive and I'm gonna sit here and she's like well we're gonna go through the Smoky Mountain National Forest which is gorgeous right and I slept through the whole thing (laughs) I mean I couldn't tell you what the Smoky Mountain National Forest looks like but it's beautiful right and it's one of those things if you've ever been to a place I mean think about what's the most beautiful place you've ever been to can you think of one yeah, man, me too. I'm with you on that one. I, Yosemite, you walk into the Yosemite Valley, and, and it's like the presence of Jesus is in there, okay? It's beautiful, right? Is there another place that you Crater feel? Lake. Where? Crater, Crater Lake. Lake, right, okay? I mean, these places, where, is there another place that you're thinking is? Zion National Forest, right? Or National Park, I guess is what it's called. Where else can you think of? The Sahara Desert, right? I mean, you know what? If you, a lot of people are like, the desert? But, man, the desert is amazing, isn't it? Glacier National Park, Glacier National Park right? You know, when we lived in, in Boca Raton, I mean, you go out to the beach and you just see, I mean, it's, it's overwhelming when you're on the coast just looking out of the ocean. It's overwhelming. But here's the amazing thing is that we get really good at is we get going through things so quickly Isn't it awesome when you take that time, like Yosemite, Crater Lake, Zion, wherever, and and you just take a second, and it's almost like it gets better the more you're there. Like you start noticing things like, that's even better than it looked like. If I were to drive through Yosemite in my car, it's beautiful. 
when I start walking and you start looking up at El Capitan and there's Half Dome when you're in Zion when you're, and you start slowing down and looking around, it looks even more beautiful. Okay. I'm really going to encourage us do that here. Right. That means like that. That doesn't mean like, OK, I'm going to read it real fast this afternoon. I'm talking about like make it a point and you may go, I'm not going to make it a point. Here's the thing. You'll never find the beauty in the Bible. You just won't. I mean, that's the thing is, is slowing down and going, hold on a minute. What we're about to read is like going through Yosemite. It's like going through the Sahara Desert. It's like being on the coast and seeing the ocean. It's like being in the National Park, Zion National Park. It's like being in your most beautiful place, okay, and going, I need to take some time. Have you ever, you know when you leave that place, don't you wish you had more time in it? You're like, man, I wish I, (laughs) that's what this does. That's what the Bible does, man. There's nothing, you know, you go speeding through things, but right here, verse 16, Paul writes, he says, from now on then, we don't know anyone from, from a purely human way. Even if we've known Christ in a human way, yet we no longer know him in this way. So, I mean, it kind of starts out, Paul gives us a little bit of a view of what is going on inside of him again, which I love. All right. He's saying, Here, here's the deal. Um, we don't look at anyone in a human way. Right. What does human what does humanity do to mess us up? Like when we look at somebody in a human way. What do humans do that just messes things up? Yeah, man. Yeah, we, we do such a great job at that. Right. Categorizing, you know, uh, splitting, like making up little groups and all that kind of stuff. What else do human beings do that if you looked at somebody just in a purely human way, it would just frustrate you? What would it be? You can still say, answer. Like, always assuming I know them, like be like, for then see a guy in like like ripped up clothes, like oh he's yeah. a drug addict or like something like that. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Is we would we would doesn't it ever frustrate you? And and you guys, it's okay to even laugh at what I'm about to say, but you probably there probably have been times with me, and you've gone, he thinks he knows everything. All right, but it's it's really funny, and it may frustrate you. But it's interesting, don't we all do that with other people? Like, it's not that frustrating when I do it. Like, and I'm like, no, I'm pretty certain I know what's going on with that person. (laughs) No, 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 I know what that person's all about. I know, look at that guy. I know what's wrong with him. And then when somebody else does it, we're like, I can't believe that guy. (laughs) Isn't that funny? Let that sink in for a second, okay? I mean, really let that sink in for a second, okay? Because if we go by that too fast, we start, again, it's that idea of the things we do really well, which is, we, we tend to think really, really highly of ourselves, even if we have low self-esteem. We think really highly of ourselves, and we get really frustrated at other people very easily. That's what human beings do, right? And Paul says, here's the answer right here. I don't see people that way anymore, not from a human way. Uh, he says in verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away, and look, new things have come. Right? That, that's, this is just kind of Paul's philosophy here. Look, new things have come. Everything is from God. Now, now, here's some words I want you to think about. Reconciled. Okay, I want you to hear this word. Everything is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their sins against them, 
And he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we're ambassadors for Christ, certain that God is appealing through us. We plead on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Okay, so that last part right there might be the most important part. I want you to think about this. Can you hear the gospel in this section? Can you hear the gospel? Can you tune your ears and hear the gospel? Okay, that's really important that we're training ourselves to hear the good news, to hear the gospel, that the gospel isn't just uh, uh, this absolute painted picture of, okay, the gospel is Jesus died and rose again and, and forgave us of our sins. Okay, is you have this, this, this entire thing here, but at the end he says he made the one, God made the one who didn't know sin. All right, like stop for one second. He made the one, Jesus, who didn't know sin. To be sin for us. That, see, that, that's, this is why going through it too fast, this is amazing. Have you ever been treated unfairly? What do you do? Like what happens when you've been treated unfairly? What do you do? Huh? Angry? Defensive? You ever replay it in your head over and over and over again? Right? You want justice? Right? Isn't this amazing right here? It's, it's amazing how God does this really fantastic thing, okay? Do you see, you know, we've been talking about the gospel. We've been talking about discipleship. We've been talking about community. We've been... Do you see discipleship in here? Can you, can you find it in this passage? Remember, discipleship is, is, is being a, a follower of Jesus. It's somebody that says, Jesus is Lord, and I'm going to follow him and do it his way. Do you see discipleship in here? Okay, let, let me clue you in a little bit right here. Is when he said that um, he made one who had no sin to be sin for us, okay? so that we might become the righteousness of God. How good do you think the righteousness of God is? Like, there's nothing better. So he said, Jesus, I'm, I'm a, I made Jesus, who never sinned, to become sin, which had to be punished, so that the sinners would become the righteousness of God. Right? And you think of that, you're going, wow, you know what's really crazy, what he just did right there? Is he just instilled a level? Now, we may not take this, but he instilled a, a, a level of humility in all of mankind. See, discipleship is imperative. Humility is imperative. Is, is at this, in this one statement, he said, there isn't anybody that can go, that can think, man, I've, I am so good. So much better than so-and-so, and such-and-such. And, such. and I, man, these people do so bad. I mean, there isn't a single person. You can think of the most benevolent human being on the earth, right? Let's just take us, for instance, though. Like, are there ever times when you have done, like, really good things, and you're like, golly. And you may not say the words, but you feel like, I'm pretty awesome. I feel pretty good about myself. That's great. I mean, here's the truth is, is that, that, yeah, as we're serving people and loving people and laying our lives down, there, there is a byproduct of going, man, I, I feel at peace. I feel like I'm in the will of God. I mean, that's a good thing, right? But sometimes we forget there's a humility 
What human being could sit down at this lesson? Which person do you know who's good enough to sit down and hear God say, you want to know what I had to do in order to save your soul? I had to make my son who never, ever once deviated from me. He never once retaliated. He never once hurled an insult. He never, he trusted me faithfully every instance. And see, I had to make him humiliated in order for you to be with me. And it's not even that you're with me. It's that I'm making, he made you my own righteousness. Who in the world could go, okay, that's cool. It's, there's this level of humility of going, really? I don't deserve, that doesn't seem fair at all. That doesn't seem fair to Jesus at all. That doesn't seem fair in any way, okay? Unless your view of Jesus is, is it was just easy for him here on earth. Well, I mean, he wasn't, he just did things because he was God. I mean, it was so simple for him and it's not simple for us. That's not true. He was tempted in every way. You, know, you think about that. You go, wow, that's not fair to him, okay? How much time in a, in a day or a week do you consider the unfairness that people are being towards yourself, okay? Different weeks are different for me, okay? But there are times I can sit here and go, man, I feel like I've been treated unfairly. And it can kind of stick there for a while, right? Okay, how often has, do you ever stop and think, you know what? It wasn't fair for Jesus to have to go through that. It wasn't fair, okay? And, and why did he do it? Out of pure love, that he would love people. That's so, this, the end verse right here is the reason why. I mean, it's the, got the gospel, it's got discipleship, but we've got to kind of move up from there, okay? We've got, to, we've got to kind of embed that in us. But he says, here, this is why I don't see anyone in a human way. This is why I see people as a new creation, And he says this, everything is from God who reconciled us to himself, and he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Okay, think about that. He gave us the ministry, like go and serve the world now to help reconcile people with me. Okay, there's there's some other implications in this passage, okay? God didn't do anything wrong. there's There's people that need to be reconciled with God. A lot of times we look at it and go, well, it takes two to tango. Have you ever heard that before? Like, it's never just one side. In this case, it is. <laughs> In this case, it's absolutely one side, okay? It's, and there's this level of personal accountability. Don't you hate that? Personal responsibility. Again, it's easy. I mean, it's just human nature. This isn't like any one person. It's just human nature to go, it's their fault. It's somebody else's fault. Like we want to protect our hearts, right? There's this level of personal accountability here of going, oh man, you know what? When it came down to me and God needing reconciliation, he didn't do anything wrong. I did. I was the problem. I I am the problem. Like when it comes down to following him, when it comes down to sin, when it comes, it's not him, it's me, okay? How often, like in your normal quiet time, do you just think and you pray and you're going, you know what, you know who the problem is here, God? Me. Right? When I'm, when I'm, when I'm defending myself, I'm the problem. When I'm in sin, I'm the problem. 
When I'm not loving people, I'm the problem. All right, that, that right there is hugely practical in the terms of discipleship because it's so easy to go, you know what? It was Dean's fault, though. Right? We say that all the time when he's not here, but I figure we just say it when he's here, you know? <laughs> it's so easy to go, no, 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 I wouldn't be behaving this way if it wasn't for so-and-so. No. Actually, nobody's ever made me behave in a certain way. I've, I've obeyed myself. Isn't that crazy? They made me do it. This is a hard lesson right here, man. I'm just saying. I mean, this is, this is super hard because we go, no, 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 no. But you don't understand. That person I work with, they put me in a bad mood all the time. Can you accept that they don't put you in a bad mood? That you obey you to be in a bad mood. Right? I'm just throwing that out there just to think about it. I mean, that may be the thing that you're going, no, 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 no. Personal accountability, personal responsibility in a community, here's the deal is, is any problem there is in our community, I'm part of the problem and I'm part of the solution. Right? Do, do you believe that? All right? I am part of the problem, no matter what the problem is in a community, okay, in a family, whatever it is, there's this personal responsibility. He says, but God, he says, here you go, guys. This is, I'm going to love you so deeply. I'm going to give you my son. Nobody's ever done this before. He was perfect, and I'm going to make him sin and die so you can be my righteousness. That's what I'm going to do. And then I'm going to turn that ministry over to you to go and live this way, all right? He says, therefore, we're ambassadors for Christ. And I want you to look at this word right here. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, certain, certain that God is appealing through us. Okay, so in this section, here's the cool thing about this. You have the gospel, you have discipleship, you have community because he's telling the Corinthian church, y'all. He's not just pointing out one person. He's not pointing out uh, so-and-so or this or that. He's saying, no, y'all do this and go make disciples. Okay, and, and, and here's the thing about this is what if Every disciple was certain that God was making his appeal through them. Okay. This wasn't just like God is making you a good person. That God is appealing through me and you. That God is appealing through us to the world. That there's an appeal going on through us. They said, here's the thing is, he said, we are certain that that's happening. Okay. Uh, what are you certain of? What are a couple things you're absolutely certain of? What if you don't pay your mortgage bill? Are you certain that they'll come and take your house after a while? Uh, if you're not, okay, then you're probably not paying your bill each month, okay? But here's the deal is, are, are you certain that the city will turn off your power if you don't pay the electrical bill? Pretty certain, huh? Okay. Pretty certain they're going to take my house if I don't pay the bill. What else are you certain about? Yeah, right, right. That's the truth. Listen, take the next five years and don't pay taxes. All right. Are you certain that the IRS will come and find you at some point? Yeah, I think everyone's certain. All right. Here's it. Here, right. Yeah, you can move to another country. I guess that's true. Um, here's the funny thing is, is, is um, if you will want to find out, if we want to examine what we're certain of, follow the anxiety. Follow your anxiety. Take a second and think about that. Follow your anxiety. Oftentimes, anxiety, we are certain something's going to happen. 
man, I'm certain something bad is going to happen. I am certain that person is not going to make the right choice. I am certain about that. And we, when we're certain, anxiety spikes because we're like, oh, my goodness, especially if you can't control it. I'm certain something's going to happen. All right. So, so think about it. It's what Paul was certain about. He says, I'm certain that God is appealing through me. Like, I'm so certain. See, action follows certainty. Action follows certainty. When you know the IRS will come to you, you will pay your tax bill. When you know the power will go off, you will, when you're certain, you will find a way to pay the bill. When you are certain of something, we will find a way. We are survivors. We will find a way. Certainty leads to action. Right? We don't become ambassadors if we're not certain that Jesus is serious about this. Like if we're going, no, I'm not certain that Jesus means what he says. Then we aren't going to uphold the Bible. I, I'm not certain he means to follow him. I'm not certain he means to repent. I'm not certain of that. What I'm certain of is, man, unless I, whatever, unless I think of the, all, all the things that we kind of chase after with our anxiety, I'm certain if I don't make enough money, my life will not matter. So I'm going to pour every ounce of energy into that. Because I'm certain I won't be happy if I don't have enough money. I'm certain God won't take care of me if I don't have enough money. See, certainty, we can follow anxiety to find out what we're certain for, and we can follow the money to find out what we're certain about as well, right? Follow your money. Go, go and look and see where you spend your money and how the money goes, and it will show us what we're certain of. I'm certain if I can't afford such and such, life will not mean anything. Clothes, cars, houses, whatever it is. Just things, right? Retail therapy. Like I've got to buy. I'm certain if I stop buying things, I wouldn't be happy because it's, it's great when Amazon, you know when the, you know when the, post, the guy brings the, the, the box to your house, the UPS man, the FedEx man, there's like this little bit of dopamine that kind of goes off in your brain that you're going, I love that feeling. I don't even care if it's a box of pens. <laughs> it, it, what's in there? It, it could be a box of bills. It's a present that you get to open up. You're kind of like, whoa, man, that's great. A little yellow envelope, a little box right there on your porch. You're like, it's a little present. A little dopamine goes off in your brain. It makes you feel good, right? There are different things we can follow to know what we're certain of. Follow the money. Follow the anxiety. Follow our actions, okay? Here's the thing. Some things we're certain of are good things, like paying your bills. That's a good thing. Don't stop doing that, okay? Paying your taxes, that's a good thing. Don't stop doing it. I'm not saying like, oh, I'm not a good Christian. I pay the taxes. No, 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 no. I'm just saying that there are things that we're certain of, and our actions will follow, and that's a good thing, right? But again, think about it. Am I taking seriously being an ambassador for Christ? Am I taking seriously being a disciple maker if I look at my life and there's nothing going on in that realm? Like there's nobody I'm trying to be an ambassador to. There's, there's nobody I'm praying for. There's nobody I'm fasting for. There's nobody I'm, hus- I'm trying to be hospitable for. You know, we used to sing a song a long time ago. So, Lord, lead me to some soul today. You know, and, and it's that idea of if, 
here's the simplest thing about being a disciple and being serious about being a disciple maker is, you know what? You don't get to snap your fingers and make a disciple. It's not like that. You can do that for a convert. That's not what he said to make, though. Like a convert, you can just get somebody to just believe facts and be converted. He's talking about a disciple, somebody who makes Jesus Lord. You know, some people come to it that quick. Some people, it's years. Okay. But when every disciple is serious about that, whether it's days or years, okay, we're certain that God is making his appeal through us. Our actions follow. That's what I think about when I wake up. That's what I think about in my family. That's what I think about when I go out in public. That's what I think about in my community. That's what I think about even if I, you know, it's, it's that idea. What I, what I always love, some of my favorite things, and I think in many ways, you know, a, a pretty large percentage of folks in the Clemson Foothills Church do this is the idea of watching folks take care of other people that they may not know, you know. And I know it'd be great, you know. It'd be great if you brought your friend and everybody took them out to lunch afterwards. But you know what? On a team, in a family, man, there are going to be different people helping out in different ways. I love that. That's fantastic. But there's only one reason people will ever do that is because they are certain that God is making his appeal through them. That's it. Otherwise, you come to church, you go to a tailgate, you go to an event, you go somewhere, you're in class or something like that, and you're just worried about you. You're just worried about your homework. You're just worried about whatever you want to do. You're just worried about how you're feeling. You're just worried about your being tired. You're just worried about that, and you're so caught up in the drama of the world, and, and that's because you're certain. And, and you want to know what? We can be trained into certainty. If, when you watch enough TV and you watch enough, like, you know, we were talking with uh, Carl and Joanne. We were ta- they were asking about, you know, just the holidays in America, right? And, and we said, well, you know about Black Friday, right? And they're like, we don't have any clue about Black Friday. And we're like, oh, yeah, people trample each other, you know? And, and we, showed, we looked up YouTube and we started showing videos. And they were going, oh, my goodness. Like, you, you mean you come out of a holiday of Thanksgiving four weeks before a holiday praising Jesus being born by trampling and killing people. Okay? You know why? Because you're certain if you don't get that gift, Christmas isn't going to be good. You're certain. That's what our, we're certain of those things. Okay? Follow the actions. Follow the money. Follow your heart. Follow your desires. That's where the certainty is. Right? And then we get super just unfulfilled. But are you certain? And if you're not, let me ask you a question. If you were to teach somebody, and just think about this. If somebody were to come to you um, and say, you know, I'm not very certain that Jesus called me to be an ambassador. Um, I'm not certain if I'm equipped to do that. I'm not certain if I have the right personality to do that. I'm not certain if I have the right gifts to do that. I'm not certain if I have the right desire to do that. I want you to think about what would you tell that person? Just stop for a second and think. What would you tell them in order to gain a desire and a certainty to be an ambassador? I want you to just think, what would your advice be? Just think about that for a second. Okay. And I want you to take that with you even later and think about this. Through. This isn't just like one of those quick answers either. I mean, you may think right off the bat, but here's what I will say. 
is if you spend a little bit of time on this and you're going, I don't know what I would tell somebody. There's a real possibility you aren't certain that you have been called to be an ambassador. There's a very great possibility that you don't understand. Okay? If you don't know, what would I tell somebody? Okay? Or if you would say this, what you need to do is just go out and start inviting people to church. Um, listen, I, I'm going to tell you, there's salesmen all over the world that go out and just say things that they're told to say. That, that doesn't change your heart, okay? Um, but I want you to really think about that, okay, is how do we change the desires of our heart? How do I repent? How do I really repent? I mean, that's really what we're talking about, right? I mean, it's repentance here, is, is when I'm not certain about being an ambassador, when my actions aren't about that, right? What we're really talking about is how do I repent? How do I change the way I'm thinking? Because chances are, we're, we, listen, we're immersed in this culture. That, that's why I, I love so much about talking with Carl and Joanne, because they're seeing America from, from eyes that we're immersed in our culture in ways that they're going, that's weird. <laughs> I can't believe y'all do that. And we're going, well, I, what? <laughs> you mean everybody doesn't act this way? <laughs> you know? We're immersed in our culture. Okay. So there's a very great chance that we have put certainty into things that Jesus would not ask us to put certainty in. There's a really great chance that every single one of us, this is going to take some time for us to think about. This is going to take some time for us to sit down with our spouses and our roommates and our friends and our families and our family groups and small groups and, and, and go, can you help me with this? All right? Because really, when it comes down to Jesus, ignorance is not bliss. You can't just go, well, I'm just going to pretend like I never think about this and hope it turns out okay in the end. Right? We've been given too much. We can't hide behind that. Right? And so it's the idea of certain, this word just, it's, it's just like, whenever I'm reading this, whenever I'm looking at this, as I was going back and studying this, is that word just kind of kept pulsating, like certain, certain, certain. I'm going, oh, man, my actions come from certainty oftentimes. And so that's really the thing. Am I certain? Here's how I'll know. What will I, like, how will I live? Not just behaviorally, but how will I love people? How will I love people who are hard to love? How will I love people who are, who, who are not spiritual? How will I love people that hate Jesus? How will I love people that are super religious? How will I love, how will, how will I love? And then here's the thing is, here, here's one thing I'm learning more and more every day for at least 20 <laughs> years now, is that God's appeal through me requires me to surrender to him. Like I got to stop being about Keith and being about what Keith wants to say and being about what Keith wants to do. I, I said, I must stop long enough to hear what God, what do you want me to do? Like when, when you bring somebody to me, when I'm God, what do you want me to say? How do you want me to love right here? Is there a truth you want me to lovingly say? Right? Is there something you want me to say or is it you don't want me to say anything at this point, right? It's, it requires surrender, okay? But again, I want you to go back and think, how would I? How, what, the, what advice would I give somebody if they came to me? 
And they were like, I need to change my desire. I want to be certain, but I'm just not. What would be the advice you would give them? Would it be something to go and do? Or would you actually plug them into listening, hearing, savoring Jesus? All right, we don't, we don't do that very well, I don't think. Like, would you send somebody away and say, you know, you probably need to get away and just pray. And then come back and let's talk. What about fasting? Right? What about meditation? What about repentance? When was the last time you asked somebody about that? Is they're like, man, I, my heart in there. And you ask, are there, are there things that you just need to repent of in your life? Like, is there sin going on in your life? Is there something happening? Is there a double life going on? Is there, are, are, you, are you living one way here and one way there, right? Because it's amazing. These are all the things that I read in the New Testament. Jesus and Paul and Peter engaging us in before we even do anything.